This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I'm pleased to welcome back to the AnvaCast, Kurt Myers, the Deputy Secretary in uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania DOT, responsible for all driver and vehicle services. Kurt, welcome back to the AnvaCast. Ian, thank you. It's yeah. always a pleasure to be here. Of course, this time, though, uh, last time we talked about something very specific. Now we get to talk about you because you have recently announced your retirement from your role at PennDOT. That's, that's correct. After uh, 20, 25 years with PennDOT, more than half of that time as the chief administrator in your deputy secretary role. Right. I spent uh, 20 years in the private sector before I came to work for uh, PennDOT, and I've been with PennDOT now for, as you say, 25 years. And in this role as deputy secretary for a little over 16 years. Yeah, which, you know, I don't know that there are official records of these things, but I'd have to imagine 16 years as the chief administrator puts you puts you up there in terms of those that are long serving in that senior executive role. Yeah, in fact, I'm the longest serving deputy secretary in the, in the history of the Department of Transportation. So. Oh, wow. There you go. Excellent. Well, it's, um, you know, any record's a good record, I right. suppose. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Especially if you can still talk about it after, yeah. after you're done. <laughs> so. Well, especially you know when you're when you're leaving on your own terms, mm-hmm. you've decided it's time to move on. Right. Um, certainly, after 20 years in the private sector, 25 in the public sector, a 45-year career. You know, why now seems a little bit of a prerogative question. But you know why it it could have been any time before, and it could have been any time in the future. Yeah, I actually could have retired four years ago based upon the, the Commonwealth's um, you know, pension program. But I think anybody that knows me knows that I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is a little bit of, of tough love, if you will. That's mm-hmm. what I've said to other people in that um, the fact is, is that I could have stayed. Um, you know, I was re- reappointed uh, by mm-hmm. uh, our new secretary and governor, and, and so there was... Uh, nothing to cause me to, to uh, retire other than a desire that, you know, it's, it's like anything else. You reach a certain point in time in your life and it's, there's, there's things that you would like to do mm. and you need the time to be able to do that. Yeah. And so the opportunity was there to be able to, uh, to retire. And uh, as I said, I, you know, I didn't want to be in a situation that I was there for so many years that somebody carried me out. <laughs> um, that would not have been good. So I, I wanted to have that opportunity to spend time with my wife and, uh, and do some of the things we wanted to do over the yeah. years. And I want to hear more about what those things are. But before we go there, you know, I want to talk about your career at PennDOT, you know, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, what drew you 25 years ago to make that transition? You were, you know, an active, successful, engaged private sector, you know, in the business world. Right. To make it's a significant shift to say, hey, I want to go in this direction now. It, it is, and and you know, I had uh, I had been in what what is called the automotive aftermarket for you know, 20 years, and had the opportunity to be president and CEO of the company. And um, I reached a, I reached a point in the mid '90s that I began to sell the business off, and yeah. finally sold the last part of it off in 1997. And 
you know, took some time off, took a couple mm-hmm. of months off, but I realized that um, at the age I was at at that point in time, that that was not going to be something that I could uh, do for uh, do forever. And so I really wanted to get back in uh, into uh, the work mode, if you will. And mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity uh, the opportunity came up. Um, and uh, at that time, when I first came to the to the Commonwealth, I was the director of the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, and I was in that mm-hmm. position for nine years uh, before uh, before I became deputy secretary. And that's the equivalent of you know all it's the senior executive for all the vehicle side of the house in, in PennDOT. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And you were at the time you were brought on and working for you know somewhat of an anvil legend in of herself. Right, Betty. Yeah, yeah Betty yeah. Sirian. And that's an interesting, I've said this to people and people are just amazed by it, but um, Betty served as deputy secretary for 12 years. I've been there for over 16 years. So it's really pretty amazing that there are only two people who have been in this position mm. over the last 28 years. Wow, yeah, that is that is remar- remarkable. Right. So when you came into it, clearly being in the automotive industry, you already had some knowledge and concept of what the motor vehicle agencies do right but you know where where did that perception and reality meet well one of the things i think that was um not surprising but um was something that i was really pleased with was that there the professionalism within pendot um, was substantial mm. and so um, you know, I think sometimes people unfairly have this image of state government mm-hmm. um, based upon, um, you know, whether they're cartoons or movies or things of that nature. But the reality is totally different. We all know that those of us who work in the in the industry. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that moving uh, into the position uh, was a transition from being focused on making a profit and doing all those types of things to moving towards serving our customers, that quality of life mm-hmm. issue, making those types of improvements in, in the organization, reaching out to our customers, uh, and in particular, going to where our customers are to help them uh, with those services. Because again, at the bottom line of it is, is that we really impact the quality of life for those individuals. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I tell my employees all the time that, you know, we're, we're really the face of government. Uh, the fact of the matter is we, we, we touch just about every single uh, resident um, in, the, in the Commonwealth, as does every administrator in every state. The mm-hmm. fact is, is that uh, in one way or the other, they're uh, interacting with us. And yeah. so their impression of state government is in many ways based upon their interaction with the, with the DMV. Absolutely. Now, in those early years or before you, you know, moved into the deputy secretary role, um, that's where you first started to get involved with the, the AMVA community. And I think at, at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a subsidiary of AMVA. You were very involved in IRP during your early years with PennDOT. Right. In fact, my first AMVA meeting that I went to was actually in uh, um, Charlotte um, in uh, the fall of 1998, November of 1998. And um, honestly, it was it was the best thing that could have possibly happened to me in my early career, because there's so much to learn. And I quickly um, got engaged with IRP mm-hmm. in uh, the the fall of the summer, actually of 1999. And yes, I went on to a, a, a time of over 10 years on the IRP board. Two of those years, I served as as chair in the in the middle part of, of that decade. But invaluable experience. I, 
um, always think very fondly of IRP, and of course, since then, IRP has mm-hmm. broken away as a as a separate organization. But uh, it was invaluable experience, and having that interaction with other people, whether it was through IRP or my participation in mm-hmm. in AMBA meetings, has has been uh, critical um, to my experience in being both a, a director of motor vehicles but also as a deputy yeah. secretary. And I, I would imagine you there must have been, you know, mentors you had along those way in the early years as you entered the Amva community. Obviously, the Betty is an obvious one, but when you walk in the fall of 98, who are who are the folks that are around there that are like, "Oh, oh, you're you're a new guy who knows stuff. We're going to get you involved." <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's 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 interesting. Um, there were there were a number of people who Really, and that was one of the nice things about him, but there, there were people who just basically said, hey, you know, we're here for you. We're here to, you know, if there's things we can do to help you. And, you know, there were there were a lot of people like Ginny um, Beecher and, mm. and Jerry uh, Dyke and, 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 and others who, you know, were, were there in those early years when I was there um, and always, um, always treated, treated me great. And you know we're always very helpful in the um, in helping me as I move forward, not only through IRP but then ultimately going on to the AMBA board. Yeah. And so as you go through uh, the vehicle process of being vehicle director, you know what? Give us a sense of what was the the, the challenges back then that the vehicle teams were were tackling when we think mm-hmm. about the late '90s, early 2000s. Well, you know, the, one of the first major projects that I took on uh, was the, the reissuance of all the license plates in Pennsylvania. We hadn't done a reissuance in 25 mm. years, and the legislature passed a, a law saying that we had to do a total replacement. I remember um, going to the governor's office uh, with Betty and our then secretary, and um, and we met with the governor, uh, Governor Rich, um, which in and of itself was just a you know a memorable experience it was the first time mm-hmm. i had you know ever uh, met a governor and so it was a interesting experience and he had an interesting sense of humor because uh, the secretary at that time secretary Mowry, introduced me and and we started talking about the reissuance program because it was a significant program millions and millions of dollars to be invested in it and he just looked at me and he smiled and he said I bet after this, you're going to want to go back to the private sector. <laughs> um, I didn't, obviously, but, um, you know, and then I had, I've had the opportunity not only, you know, to, to, to serve under, under uh, uh, Governor Ridge, but also a number of other governors, yeah. Governor Swiker, who filled in. If you remember, um, Governor Ridge went to run, be the first secretary yeah, of Homeland right. Security, mm-hmm. and then Governor Swiker, who was the lieutenant governor, took his place. Um, and then um, under Governor Rendell, I was you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, reappointed. And, and then, uh, of course, uh, Governor Corbett, who was our uh, attorney general, uh, and then Governor Wolf, and, and now Governor Shapiro. Yeah. So it's, it's um, uh, nice to know that there can be that consistency in our organization, regardless of what party the particular yep. governor is in. And I think that's really been important, and I think it's helped us be a better organization because of that consistency. So just to be clear, in Pennsylvania, it's a deputy secretary role reporting to the secretary, but it's appointed by the governor. Correct. Yeah, I, I, um, I receive a, a document. You know, of course, obviously the Commonwealth um, has been around for a, a lot of years, 
and I've looked at some really old documents from the 1700s and the, the language in the documents that, that I receive in my appointment and language that was utilized in the 1700s and late 1600s is basically the same. And one of the lines that I always appreciate the most in my appointment um, document from the Secretary of State and from the governor who both, who both sign it is that I can maintain the position so long as I shall behave well. <laughs> so, and that language actually comes from 200 shall, years ago. Shall behave uh, well. Yes, but uh, that's awesome. You know, but uh, yeah. So yes, it is an a, it is an appointed position, obviously with the approval of the governor as right. well as with the secretary. Yeah, yeah. So you're there nine years or so. You and Betty are grooving. You're doing your thing. She's chair of the AMVA board, and you know she's out doing that thing. And then all of a sudden, she tells, "Hey, Kurt, I'm I'm done. I'm ready to retire." <laughs> right. Do you want to move into the role immediately? Is it something that, you know, folks say, hey, Kurt, come and consider, you know, taking on this opportunity? The, the fact of the matter is, is that I, you know, obviously when I first came to the department, you know, I did not have a, that vision of that was a goal, career yeah. goal, that I would become deputy. But I certainly, as I have advised people in the past, is that you need to seize the moment. Mm. Those moments come so rarely. Mm -hmm. Whether it's an opportunity to be on an ANVA committee be on an AMVA regional board, be on a AMVA international board, or uh, that opportunity to, to have a promotion, those moments are fleeting. And if you don't seize that moment to do that, you may regret it moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I was uh, more than happy to be able to, uh, uh, to step into that role. And I was glad that I was given the opportunity by the then secretary, Al Beeler who had faith in me that I would be able to, uh, to be able to do the job. And as we noted, I did not have a lot of driver licensing experience. I, right. I knew what was going on, those types of things. But at the end of the day, um, most of my experience had been in motor vehicles. So, you know, I got a, I got the fire hose and you know, <laughs> approach to uh, learning about driver licensing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 16 years ago, you know, you're in the midst of, you know, do you want to do real ID? Do you not want to do real ID? And, you know, uh, other driver licensing things. But I remember, you know, 16 years ago, it was probably hot and heavy around that conversation. Yeah, and, you know, it, back in, the, in those days, when I first came in, it wasn't long after I came into the position that our legislature passed a, a law saying we couldn't participate in, mm. in real ID, which created, obviously, a lot of dynamics. Yep. And it wasn't until 2017 that that law was reversed, and then we mm -hmm. were allowed to, allowed to participate. Um, so... There were a lot of things going on in those in that latter part of the, the decade when I first came in, and obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of change over that over that period of time. Yeah. On those changes over those sixteen years, as it relates to PennDOT specifically, you know, if you were to say, you know, as you look back now and getting ready to move on, some of the things that you're most proud of that you know the, the team under your tenure was able to do, accomplish, change, and deliver to you know your your customers in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, I think in, in, in many ways it's not necessarily the big things that you do as, as, as the fundamental movement of the thinking of individuals on how they view um, their, their position and how that relates to um, our, our customers. You know, we've, we've done a lot over the years to look at, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past, in fact, when we had the International in Philadelphia, we, 
I really harped on the idea that, you know, we need to get away from the term of customer service and get to that customer experience, mm -hmm. that total picture of what the customer experience is from start to end, not just when they walk through That's the right. doors. Yeah. Um, now, it's funny in a way because everybody, now everybody says customer it's experience. It's a very common phrase, yeah. And, you know, customer service is not something that people talk that much about, you know, because it is a broader scope than yeah. just that, that That's right. one part of it. Um, so I think things of that nature, some of the, some of the centers that we've built um, in, in recent years with, with um, uh, the various locations are, are much larger, they're much, user, much more user-friendly, using you know, free internet, um, uh, charging stations, all those types of things that we never would have thought about um, years ago, and concierge service, so people can be text when you know, they're ready to mm. be served, so they can go off to the, you know, the, the grocery store next door, or whatever the case may be. Um, all those things you know, are, are things that I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with. There, there are other things that you know, we've done um, that you know, have been uh, important, I think. And, you know, I, I couldn't go without an interview, and I know we had an interview solely on this matter, but I think, you know, when we pushed to, to remove the registration sticker from the mm -hmm. license plate, there, you know, there were obviously people who pushed back on that. Uh, but it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And our goal and our vision for the future has always been that the, as we move forward into this, into this decade is ultimately to do away with physical products. Yeah. And I think you know, more and more we talk about that, and obviously on the driver licensing side of it, on the MDL, but there's also a lot of other physical products that could be done away with and would be much more convenient for our customers. Uh, and from an access standpoint. Mm -hmm. and so uh, I think those are the types of things is that for me at least and maintaining that vision, ma maintaining that focus and having my team maintain that focus has been critical to our yeah. success. You know, I, I think it's worth mentioning your, your team because the, you know, some jurisdictions are fortunate to have a bench of talent. Others sometimes struggle, you know, mm -hmm. and, and everyone struggles right now with the recruitment and retention. Um, maybe it's because, you know, only you and Betty have been there. So everybody else, you know, sits in yeah, sits in their role too but right. I mean, I'm joking but you've been fortunate in Pennsylvania you know we've seen this through AMVA committees working groups conferences um, to have a bench of talent um, on your team and a big part of the reason we have that bench of talent is because those individuals have been engaged in AMVA um, it goes hand in I, hand I wasn't seeking the, the no uh, no no <laughs> and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that if it weren't the case yeah. but you know, I'm adamant to my folks. I mean, every time there's an opening for, for a position, I go and send it out to my folks mm -hmm. and say, who would be right for this? You know, let's put a name for it. We don't always get selected, but obviously we want to continue to put those names out there because I think it's extremely important and they bring back, you know, good ideas. So yeah. whether it's a pop-up and being able to send individuals who might other, otherwise mm -hmm. go to other events or the workshops or the regionals or the international um, it's critical to have those folks engaged because they come back with good ideas mm -hmm. and then you know that helps us from an implementation standpoint of looking for ways to improve um, our uh, our work with our customers and again as I said you know being able to go to where our customers are to be able to give them the the, the services and, and the overall experience that uh, they have a right to. Yeah. As, I, as I tell my, my staff is that you know we're really held to a higher standard not a lower standard you know, if if you go if you go to a, the pharmacy on the corner and you don't like the service there, you 
odds are you, at least in the more metropolitan areas, odds are you can probably cross the street and find at least one other pharmacy. Right, right. So you right. have a choice. But when our customers come to our centers, uh, they don't have a choice, I mean, short of moving out of state, which obviously is not a viable option. We certainly don't want that. Um, and so that's why I always tell my folks, we're really held to that higher standard. So the things that we can learn from AMBA, we can learn from other states, other jurisdictions, and what they're mm -hmm. doing are critical to our success. Yeah. Well, and you've really um, led by example. You know, I think, you know, we talked about your IRP involvement, but we transitioned to, as you transitioned into your full deputy secretary role, your AMVA involvement, always, you know, served on countless committees, working groups, region one board, region one president, AMVA board, multiple tours as treasurer, and then, you know, serving as the AMVA board chair. What, how is, you know, not unlike your folks bringing back ideas, how is that engagement shaped, you know, your career and your role? Well, it, it's been very important to me, and it's something you know, that I've enjoyed uh, greatly, and it's given me the opportunity to, to, to meet a lot of really good people, not only across the U.S., but certainly Canada, as well as Mexico and, and, our, and many of our friends in Europe. So mm -hmm. it's been a great opportunity from, from that standpoint. I know my staff you know, used to dread when I would go to an AMBA board meeting and then I'd come back and I'd say, okay, I want to meet with everybody because there's some good ideas that came out of this. <laughs> we need to talk about it. But yeah. uh, it, 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 that helped certainly from the standpoint of forming who I was or, or as a leader. And mm -hmm. um, it's an intricate part of that. You, yeah. you, can't, uh, you, you can't live in a vacuum. And I see sometimes I see some administrators who don't get involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand there are a lot of pressures at home, a lot yeah. of things going on, a lot of things that you got to do. But you really begin to learn the benefit of that interaction as you do get involved. And you realize is that there's a lot of good ideas out there. Yeah. And uh, ideas that can be incorporated into your own jurisdiction, but you need to know that they're out there. Yeah. And just necessarily going to a conference, you may not hear all those ideas, but being involved, having people involved in the committees and, and so forth, it brings back great ideas and it makes them, um, you know, a, a better team player within the organization and gives them that expertise that they need to be able to excel in their position and ultimately then move on into higher levels of leadership within the organization. Yeah. You know, and I, I think absolutely the value for everybody to be able to bring stuff back. I think one of the things that you know, your engagement has been an example for over the years is not volunteering just to be on the group, but to be actively engaged. Right. You have given an incredible amount to the community, whether it is others learning from what Pennsylvania does or just the, the governance of the association, which you know, is run by, by the members. You know, how is that experienced what do you take away from that? You know, are things that you think about, whether it was your time as chair or as treasurer, that you go, you know, hey, we we really move the needle on these things. Yeah, there 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 are things that um, I think you really can fundamentally make a difference at. You know, I always look and I know this week is the leadership academy, yeah. and um, I always look back and and of course it was Jen Cohen who uh, who proposed that idea when she was when she was chair and you know what a great legacy that that, yeah. that still today exists and people com are competitive about getting their employees in that program and the value of the program to the to their individual employees and you know there are other um, things that chairs have done over the years 
um, to be engaged with not only the board but also the AMFA staff. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be you know, chair of the board. It's, it's quite a commitment, as, yep. as you know, from a travel standpoint. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, but it is a, you know, a great opportunity to meet people and be, and be involved. But you can do that as well. I mean, I, when I was treasurer last year, as mm -hmm. an example, of course, we had a, a strong push on transparency. And yeah. we worked very closely with the uh, AMBA, with, with Wendy and others. Um, to, to work on that and I think at the end of the day we have a really nice product on our on our website that people can go and look at and it gives them information about uh, AMBA without having to, to search for it yeah um, you know it's financial transparency and and so I think those things are, are good so sometimes yeah. it's the little things that you do that make a yeah. that make a big difference in people's perception of the organization absolutely I think you know another one that I remember was an initiative of yours that you know it's again it's those smaller things but it shifts you know was the revisiting of the suspended and revoked best practice mm -hmm. And the idea that, yeah, we had to stop suspending and revoke for non-driving reasons, but part of that suspension and revocation life cycle was the folks who have done what we asked them to do and still couldn't get back into the system. How do we help them get back to the system? And this idea that being a regulator is not just about punishing, so to speak, people for breaking the rules, mm -hmm. but that a second chance, for lack of a better word. Right. And, you know, I, I always say to our staff is that, you know, we're in the business of issuing driver's licenses, not denying them. Mm. And, you know, certainly sometimes we, you know, somebody has to have a license taken away from them. You know, but even when I look at, you know, ignition interlock programs and, and things of that nature, you know, I'd rather have a customer who has an ignition interlock in their vehicles than to have somebody who's suspended. And the reason I say that is, is that if somebody's suspension suspended because of DUI, you know, there's always the risk that they could get in their vehicle and they could drive. Um, and what we don't want, we don't, yeah, you know, we're not concerned that they're driving. We're concerned that they're driving in, um, under the influence. And so, if an ignition interlock system keeps them from doing that, all right, you know, in Pennsylvania last year we had, um, I think, thirteen thousand individuals that were. Um, ignition interlock um, in their in their vehicles mm -hmm. and it, it it stopped over 90,000 ignitions hmm. so that's really important and that means that's 90,000 times in a one year that that somebody didn't get behind the wheel and drive drunk and so sometimes I think when we look at the penalties sometimes you know suspension everybody thinks oh suspension you know whether it's a registration suspension or it's a, a driver's license suspension you know that's going to keep somebody from getting behind the wheel um, or driving an unregistered vehicle or whatever the case may be and I I think fundamentally we need to look at what we're doing and how we're doing it to say are there better ways to do things and I would suggest that ignition interlock is one of those areas where you know again it's not the driving part of it. We just don't want them to drive while they're when they're intoxicated. Yeah. So, if an inter interlock system keeps them from doing that, then you may, in the long run, be more successful than just simply saying, "Well, we're going to suspend them for six months or a year or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be." Um, you know, there's, it's it's complex. Yep. It's really complex. But at the same at the same time, I think we always constantly have to strive for looking for ways to do things differently. Yeah. So I, I, I have to ask you, you know, as we talk about this, uh, the career and the years, and I think back to you know, coming aboard on in 1998 and the folks that you've journeyed mm -hmm. with, 
within a, about a year's time, or year and a half time, Rick Holcomb, Kurt Myers, and Farrow are all retiring at mm. the same time. And at one time, you were the, you know, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, you know, administrators. And I'm curious if there's any, I mean, I know it's just coincidence, but as you think about, you know, folks like Ann or Rick or others that you've been on this journey with together, um, you know, reflections of those relationships and friendships over the years. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've clearly been really important to, uh, to me. And, you know, I, I certainly consider Rick and Ann and, and, and there are many others as, as, as friends, not just as um, uh, people I've worked with yeah. over, over, over the years. It is, it is a strange um, uh, journey, if you will, in the sense that you do, when you have worked with somebody for so long and then you, you all each in your own way comes to, you know, the the end of one career doesn't, yeah. you know, uh, obviously it doesn't mean that people are not going to do things. Sure. Um, it, it, it is a, a little bit of a strange uh, journey, but, but at the same token, you know, change is good. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, you know, to a certain degree, it's a little bit of tough love because I, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't leave. And I had to tell myself that, you know, there's a time and there's a place for yeah. everything. And, 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 and this was the, the time for me to go because, as I said, I didn't want to get carried out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so, you know, I wanted to try to uh, try to avoid that. So yeah. it's uh, but it's a it's, it's a it's a, a a process, you know, yep. and you go through that process. And, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I look forward to, to coming out on the other side of it <laughs> and we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I guess we have. Can you share the, the dates and the timeline? Yeah, my uh, my retirement happens on uh, uh, May twelfth is the last day. Um, I purposely, you know, did about six weeks. I didn't want to stretch it out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an opportunity for um, new people come in, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that we've, you know, we've got consistency there, and we have uh, another individual who's well involved in the Amba community in in, in Cara, who will be coming in and, and taking my place. So I. You know, she may very well be sitting here 10 years from now mm-hmm. and saying, you know, we've had 38 years of only three people. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't know, certainly. But, you know, I think it's I think it's a credit um, to uh, a lot of people within the Commonwealth who have recognized that being the in our case, the deputy secretary in other states, the administrator or the director, whatever it is, is extremely complex. Mm-hmm. And you want people who have experience in those roles. Yeah. You don't, in my personal opinion, you don't want to bring in people who have no experience at all and then um, and expect success. Yeah. Um, because the learning curve is too great. Yeah. Especially if you're an agency where the governor's office, for example, says, hey, the agency's on the right trajectory. We're not looking for someone to come in and be a right. change agent. Sometimes agencies need that. Mm-hmm. But in the case of PennDOT, where, you know, hey, we're, we know we have work to do, but we're heading in that right direction. Let's keep that internal right. continuity. So I don't know if, ever, if everybody knows, Kara Templeton is your uh, director of driver services currently. Uh, driver licensing. Driver licensing. Right. Um, a very involved AMVA member, actually a current member of the Region 1 board. Correct. Uh, and so they, they may, you may have heard it here first on AMVACast, depending on, uh, on where you get your news. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be really excited to welcome. I've known, I've had the privilege to know Kara for a number of years and It'll be exciting to welcome her to this to this role. Um, and she shortly. has the same um, commitment to AMBA oh, as, yeah. as, a, as the benefits of 
being involved in ANVA, and, and I, I'm, I know that you'll still, uh, moving forward, encourage people from our department to get involved with the committees and things of that yeah. nature, because it, it does um, show such a, a you know great benefit in knowledge and, and skills that people gain. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned at the outset, driving some of this decision is, you know, what you want to make more time to do and you look forward to do. You may not tackle it all on May 13th, but what what's on the list? What are those things that you hope to fill your time just, with? Honestly, just primarily the flexibility to be able to have, a, you know, more time to, mm -hmm. to be able to do the things, you know, um, and enjoy being with my, my wife who has tolerated me for the last, you know, 44 years. Um, and tolerated my schedule, quite frankly. Yeah. Because um, it's always been demanding. So it's really going to be a great opportunity just to be able to um, uh, to travel. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we, we, we plan to, uh, to travel in New England and, 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 uh, and also out into the Midwest and got some other got some other things planned as far as going out to California and so forth. So, you know, we just have that. I think that flexibility is what I'm really looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, with her... Um, to be able to do those things together, so um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what else I'll be doing as far as maybe some volunteer work, and you know, there's some things that uh, I wouldn't mind doing in that respect, and also. But it sounds like real retirement, not you know maybe well, career, or a little bit of career number three. Um, <laughs> that's a probably probably a little bit of a stretch, but uh, you know, I've I've worked for. Uh, you know, 45 years now, and, and so I want to be able to have some of that flexibility. Yeah. I think that's the most critical thing. Although, I, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know I, have, I have a lot of different, you know, interests. And so, um, you know, we'll see what comes. Yeah. I, and, um, and I just really want to always kind of keep the door open to say, you know, there, there, there may be things down the road as long as I can, you know, maintain that flexibility. Yeah. That's the critical part for me at this point. So, so uh, six weeks, like you said, you didn't want to draw it out, but it also, you know, people are going to want to say goodbye mm -hmm. and thank you. And this, especially, you know, PennDOT folks will see you, but the Anva community, those right. listening here may, may not. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, heard it from a little birdie that those that at least are going to be attending the Region 1 conference in Providence may get to, to see you and say congratulations. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I you know, the, of course, the, the past president's breakfast, of which I was president of Region 1 a number yeah. of years ago, back in 2015. So... Um, it's my it's my intent to at least uh, spend a, a day or two in Providence um, as a civilian. <laughs> um, but uh, I look you know I look forward to that. I look yeah. forward to the opportunity to see some folks there that you know I haven't had that opportunity to see or talk to. Yeah, and then maybe even again in Madison as a past chair of the board come to for it, that. It, it's possible because I have my, I have a, you know, relatives that live in Minnesota, so we, yeah, okay. we, you know my wife and I may do a Midwest trip, Midwest and, tour, yeah, and uh, and put Madison on the list of places to stop. Well, we would love that. That would be that would be wonderful for everybody to be able to say congratulations and to say to say thank you for you know many years of service, obviously to PennDOT, but you know to AMVA and to the organization. It's been enjoyable, and um, you know, it's uh, it's something that I that that uh, will always have very very fond memories. So. Wonderful. Well, Kurt, thanks for spending time. Congratulations. Hopefully, nothing but a long, healthy, and enjoyable retirement for for you and and all your loved ones. Well, thank you, Ian. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone. Stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast. 
Hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.